Welcome to The Searchers Podcast, where we are constantly exploring the cinematic landscape to find those movies that may be in need of a reevaluation of modern audiences, want to maybe introduce people to movies they've never heard of before, shed a new light onto films that maybe deserve to be seen. And our episode this week is the second ever Cinema Crusades episode that we have titled Cinema Crusades because it is going to be a generic anything goes sort of what's been happening lately in our cinematic journeys. And this week it is Ben and I chatting it up. Ben, say hi. What's up? <laughs> That's one way to say hi. <laughs> Couldn't resist. Nice, hey, nice. hey, hey, you said anything goes, man. Anything. You know what? You're right. You're right. You you totally got me there. So we're going to kick this thing off. And let's do it. I'm going to ask you. What's uh, what you've been watching lately? Oh, OK. So. Besides Cop, this week, uh, well, this episode's coming out probably after our Cop episode. So two weeks ago, probably a few, in yeah, re- exactly. in re- in real time, two weeks ago, <laughs> I watched um, the odd well Odd Couple from 1979, directed by Lau- Oh, great, great movie. You have not seen it, sir. Wait, this is not the odd couple. Not like the Wilders. Not the odd couple. It's just odd couple. Uh, oh man, you fooled me. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But I think it might. Wouldn't be surprised if it if it if it kind of took some tropes from that movie. Which I forget if I've seen that or not. I don't think I have. Oh, nineteen seventy nine. Okay. Yeah, okay. Di- directed by Lau Kar Wing, which is I have not memorized his other. So like there's the Mandarin and then the Cantonese names. I have not mem- memorized the other one, but um, he's the brother of Liu Xiaoliang, known to many on on this side of the earth as uh, Lao Kar Lung. Watched this movie earlier this week as my I so like in 2022 I did a kind of a Hong Kong martial arts challenge for myself just to kind of delve deeply into the genre. And when I say genre, kind of just the Hong Kong martial arts could be, you know, a classic movie where it's, it's, you know, set 200 years ago or something that's as recent as the nineties. Um, but just something that had martial arts in it. So I did the 36 chambers of Shaolin challenge. So 36 movies. Very cool. So I'm kind of building off of that this year with, there's no plan. Last year I kind of laid out all 36 movies and said, I'm watching these 36 movies. Uh, I kind of did it through the mid year. So I had about seven months to do it and I, and I accomplished it. But this year I'm kind of just going to watch a movie and then plan the next one and not, not plan out all of them. So I'm kind of a little bit more free in my, my picking. But so for odd couple, um, Samo Hung, Lau Kar Wing, who's the director stars as well. There's a whole bunch of background, not going to talk about too much, but there's a lot of Hong Kong regulars in this movie, but uh, highly recommended. It's Samo at probably his peak physical performance. Late 70s Samo is when he's his youngest. Um, you, do you Have you seen any Samo Hung movies, Chris? 
I have, but I could not tell you what movie that is. So basically, because basically, I just, know, I just know I have. So yeah, so, uh, Kevin and I have uh, talked about this and touched upon it in a few other episodes, but not to bring up you know who. Not going to say the name. You don't say it either, Chris. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. But he who shall not be named. Not not this episode because he's. <laughs> yeah. So Samo is a prolific director and actor from Hong Kong was one of the seven little fortunes. And if people know what that means, they knew the other actor I'm talking about who will not be named this episode because, um, I don't want to, I don't want to tell our listeners that he's the end all be all of Hong Kong cinema. Cause that is definitely incorrect. If anything, I would say he's not, but yeah, this movie is interesting because Sam o Hong stars and the director, Lao Kar Wing, um, is the second billing and they play two. They play a master and a, like when I say master, a teacher and a student. So like the old teacher is Samo and the young students, Lao Kar Wing. And then the other, and then that teacher student is fighting another teacher student played by the opposite. So Lao Kar Wing's the teacher and Samo's the student. Oh, very nice. It's really, it's really cool, but it's, it's got some of the best, it's got some of the best weapon work choreography I've ever seen. Highly recommended. I know well, it's cool. Pro- no, this is good because I Hong Kong cinema is something that I still need to. Oh, Chris, 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 know. we're gonna we're gonna bring you we're bringing you into this fold, man. We're gonna introduce you to it and bring the Hong Kong cinema to me. Yes, yes. In two years, you'll be an expert. Don't worry about it. Yeah, sounds good. I think it's hard for anyone to be an expert because it's such a just the prolific the, genre. Well, the nat- or- the nature of it is just. There's so many actors and and directors and producers and 30, 40 years of it. It, it, It's, it's crazy. It's way different than Hollywood. They, they cranked them out. It's, it's really good. But on from that, you tell me, all right, I told you, you tell me what, uh, what's, what's a, what's a recent one that you watched that you, you know, enjoyed a lot besides cop. I I know you like cop. Yes. I like cop. I like cop. So recent that i've watched well i'll tell you the last movie i watched was actually one that i love and i have at the time of this recording i have not released my review yet i'll be releasing my review of the movie tomorrow but in real time when everyone's listening to this podcast it will have been released on letterboxd i just watched my 29th john frankenheimer movie Uh, i'm doing a little retrospective with Two buddies of mine on Letterboxd, Nick Langdon and uh, Min. We just we call him Min, but his but his handle is uh, Mushy Minion. And our retrospective focusing on John Frankenheimer and the 29th movie that we are looking at is The Horseman from 1971. And I went in not knowing anything about it. I did not look up anything about it prior to watching it. I just know that being 28 films deep into John Frankenheimer, we had basically touched all of the popular and acclaimed stuff already. So we were kind of getting to the bottom of the barrel and my expectations were low. I'll put it that way. However, I watched the movie and I love it. So it actually may very well be what I consider John Frankenheimer's best, which is kind of a shocking shocking flaming hot take okay because john, I, I, john frankenheimer made a ton of good 
movies. I have maybe not a ton, but you made a small handful. Go I ahead. have two questions. Go ahead. Why is all right without spoiling anything or going into any detail? Why is it the best? Like, I know that's a hard question to uh, to answer, but no, this is good. This is good. I can be generic about this in a way. So, why do I think it's John Frankenheimer's best? Because Frankenheimer focused on two things in his career. And he was, he is what you, I would call a blue collar director in that, or maybe even describe him as a blue collar, blue, blue collar man's director. And what I mean by that is he always loved focusing on quote unquote, the process. So when you look at movies that he did like grand Prix or uh, the French connection to, or the train, um, I guess even maybe the Manchurian candidate could fit. When you look at any of these movies, he focuses on a very specific, uh, way of life. So in grand P you're looking at, you're looking at race car drivers. It's a three hour movie about race car drivers, but the way that Frankenheimer captures that he captures a thrilling edge and he goes into it deep. So like, He'll he'll anal not analyze, but he'll he'll put a microscope on these race car drivers that no one would ever even come close to doing in the sixties. And I think the horseman excels at this combination of John Frankenheimer's um obsession with the process of what the horseman looks at, which just a really broad overview of that. The Horseman is about a father-son relationship, but um, a step further than that is it focuses on the Afghani culture and their love of the sport of, uh, I believe it's called Buzkashi, and it's a it's a crazy sport. It formed during the time of Genghis Khan, and I'm I'm sort of ranting now, I guess, but there's a lot there's a lot of layers to it. The Horseman focuses on on this sport that Frankenheimer captures so well. And it's a glorious combination of his obsession with the process along with new, uh, new Hollywood filmmaking. So it's very, the compositions are pretty grand. There's a lot of stunning Vista shots, really, really awesome photography. And I loved it so much more than I would ever have thought of for a movie that focuses on a culture I know nothing of. That's the generic answer, folks. Yeah, long-winded. I'm sorry. No, you're good. No, you're passionate, man, and that's good. Yeah, and I really like Frankenheimer. That was my second question. What is the deal with Frankenheimer? What what is the deal? (laughs) So this kind of just happened all of a sudden, like last fall of 2021. I had only seen maybe two or three of his movies and I just got talking with Nick and Min about Frankenheimer and um, we were both kind of intrigued by what we had seen. I hadn't loved anything yet, but I kind of like saw a lot of things that I liked in his techniques and we were just like, yeah, we both, we just, we all, we wanted to do it. So we, we decided to make it a retrospective and we've been 
analyzing his career, um, not in chronological order, just whatever movies we've come to pick. And um, it's been it's been a heck of a ride. I mean, we're 29 movies deep now, and we have a really good picture of what he was like. I mean, Frankenheimer started in the 50s and the 60s. He was um, he was a protege of directors like Sidney Lumet. And uh, I'm blanking on the other one that took him under his wing. But there were some big names that he worked with back in the TV industry in the 50s and 60s before he started directing theatricals. He would do all those, because in the 50s, all of those one-hour TV uh, TV specials were, were the thing. Playhouse 90 was one of them. And John Frankenheimer directed a lot of TV movies starting out. Then he got his theatrical break in the 60s, and that's where everybody knows him for his political thrillers. So movies like The Manchurian Candidate is the big one. Seconds is another one. Um, and all of a sudden, seven, I'm blanking on some seven, others. Seven Days in May. Seven Days in May. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the Train is technically political. Um, that's another one that he's known for. He's also known for Birdman of Alcatraz, I would say. So people like that one. That, that, he actually did. That's a trifecta right there. Apparently, he liked working with Burt Lancaster. Yes, that was the next thing I was going to say. He worked with Burt Lancaster, I believe, four times. The fourth film, which we did not mention. Young is, Savages? Uh, well, we didn't mention that one. So hold on. The Young Savages, The Train, Birdman of Alcatraz, Seven Days of May, and then the fifth one would be The Gypsy Moths, so which, was the last time that, which was the last time they worked together. Um, and the Gypsy Moths is another excellent example of a movie that focuses on the process of the sport of skydiving. And I, when I tell you that nobody has filmed stuff like this, especially for the, for the, for 1968 or 1969, when that film came out, it is, it is awesome. Really? So, yeah. So if you, if you're unfamiliar with Frankenheimer, I would say that, I would say that you could start with the popular stuff, but He's got a lot of, I'm not going to say everything's great because not everything is great, but he, he does some very interesting projects. Very interesting. And I like him as a director. I think he's, I think I would call him one of my favorites. Um, I don't know if I'd give you like, you know, a top 15 or top 10 or whatever. I don't know if he's in that, but, um, I really like him. I recommend him. I recommend his work to everybody because he kind of covers a little bit of everything. He doesn't really stick to one thing. Sounds like William Wyler. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that they could be similar in that sense. But uh, all right. Uh, last thing about Frankenheimer. Last thing. Give me yeah. your. I don't know what it is, so give me your opinion on Ronan. Ronan is solid. I was not so that was one of the one of the two or three films I had seen before I un, before we had taken on the Project Frankenheimer idea, and I was recommended Ronan after watching another Chase film from the seventies that I'm not going to remember the name of, but had Peter Fonda and Warren Oates in it. And it was called "Had Devil" in the title. Oh man! Peter Fonda and Warren Oates were probably in a lot of movies together. 
They probably were, but it was called Devil. Oh man, I'm I'm blanking on it. Uh, well, if it comes to me, I'll I'll say it again. Um, oh, race race with the devil. That's what it is. Okay. So I had watched Race with the Devil. I really like the chase scenes in that movie, and someone had recommended to me Ronan. So then I ended up watching Ronan, thought it was solid. I gave it three and a half out of five, seven out of ten. Um, I think if I was to rewatch it now, I don't know if I would appreciate it more or less knowing more of Frankenheimer's work. I, I don't know the answer to that question. Not that you were asking that. No, I was just curious. I, I'm not a De Niro fan, so I get a, I go unbiased. But Yeah, neither am I, but I... I don't think there was anything to necessarily love or hate that he does. Got it. In that movie. Yeah. So John Frankenheimer recommend a recommend for director. I definitely talked a lot more than I thought I was. (laughs) Well, it happens in cinema crusades, man. You rant. There's rants. You You go have a little monologue, little soliloquy, little diatribe little diatribe i'm gonna turn the tables back on you and i'm gonna throw throw another question at you why you do this to me <laughs> only because i love you so ooh, ooh. <laughs> ooh. ooh so, baby what what is the last movie you gave the perfect score so Technically, it I so on January first every year for the last three years I've watched the western. So I watched the western. Keeping it real. Watched the western this year, and it was Rio Bravo. So it was a rewatch. Does that count? Okay. All right. So no, this is good. So yeah, you can say the rewatch, but now you can say the last film that you gave five stars. That was a first time watch. It's been a long time. When I say long time, like five months six months five five months um eight diagram pole fighter back in august okay as back in august back, going back to the uh 2000 uh, the 2022 hong kong martial arts challenge that i gave myself very cool yeah this so <laughs> i talked about the odd i talked about odd couple not the odd couple not sorry for the confusion guys um <laughs> Yes. Lao Kar Long, Liu, Liu Jialang, directed 1984. Another, so it's a, it's a Hong Kong martial arts movie, obviously, but it's a, there's weapons involved, obviously, since it's eight diagram pole fighter, but not, not to go into much details, but highly recommended. It's some of the best choreography you're going to see in a Hong Kong martial arts movie, probably ever. Um, it's a Damn. little. There's a little bit of historical significance. Not that I'm not a Chinese um, history buff, so I'm not going to even try to start to explain that to you. Okay. But I went in thinking like, oh, it's going to be overrated, or you know, I'll like it, but it's not going to be as good as everyone says. No, it is. It is as good as all the Hong Kong buffs, like all those people that I listen to, the ones that are online that say, "Hey, this movie's." The thing, uh, yeah, it is. Uh, you want to okay. watch? You want to watch this? 
I, I don't want to spoil it, but there's basically it's a lot of fighting, and that's what you want in a Hong Kong martial arts film, just off the bat. But yeah, it, it, it's kind of an emotional movie for the for for the fans that watch a lot of the movies for the director, because in real life, uh, one of the stars, Alexander Fusheng, died during production. Uh, in a car accident. I think he was like 28, 29. So our age. Really? Yeah. And he was basically the man who shall not be named that we brought up earlier. Uh, Fu Shang would have been the next him if he didn't die. I think. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. But Gordon Liu's in it. Kara Huey. Philip Coe. I mean, the, the, the cast is stacked. Lau Karlong's in it for a little bit. I mean, it really is a highly recommended one. And I know, Chris, for you, you're just like, what the hell are you saying? I don't even know who these people's names are. <laughs> no, yeah. it is. Uh, I believe you when you say it's stacked, w- but it w- means nothing to when, me. When I say Kino, I do not use that word often, but it is Kino. You um, use that word all the time. What are you talking about? I definitely do not. That would be Mr. Chan, Kevin Chan. Oh, he's the Kino guy. Yeah, I I don't say it much, but it, it, when I do say it, it's it's got some weight behind it. Um, but yeah, okay, I highly recommend that one, and uh, maybe one day you'll watch it in the near future. But have you seen Rio Bravo? I hope I hope the answer is yes. Oh, of course. All right, good. Yes. Good. Yes, sir. That is, uh, we grew up with that movie. Oh hell yeah! We we were raised right. Who who raised you, sir? John Wayne. <laughs> oh my! Uh, that, that, say that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. your your mom didn't show you Big Country, so I'm gonna falter there. <laughs> Come on, Chris. Fair enough. Come on, Chris. Chris's mom. What the hell? Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. So explain. Yeah, so explain. Awesome. Explain to me being raised on Rio Bravo because. I remember seeing it like once as like a 10 year old and then didn't revisit it for like 15 years. Well, it just kind of goes with the whole growing up. Mom would have movies on TCM would be on and she had a bunch of VHSs that she would have recorded on her own when TCM would show the movies and Rio Bravo was one of the ones that we just always, we had that VHS. We had, we had the bachelor and the Bobby Soxer. We had some Danny K movies. So like the court jester. Oh yes. Um, Danny K. Mm. Yes. Yes. I like the we had court a few Danny K. We had a few Danny K movies. Um, the, there was the other one where he was the boxer. Um, well, there was, um, the one that I had known him for before court gesture was the, I'm so mad at myself that I'm blanking on the name of it. The secret life of Walter Mitty. There you go. Secret life of Walter Mitty was one that I loved. And then, um, he also did a boxing movie where he was the Brooklyn kid. Hmm. I believe was the name of the movie. And, uh, yeah, we grew up with a handful of these. Um, and these are just, some of the ones I specifically remember that I would always look for the VHS for these because my mom would have the labels written on the side and I would make sure that, you know, I'd find them and then we'd watch them. Oh, so so you, Rio Bravo was one of those movies. So you had the recorded VHSs too. Yeah. Yes. 
Like yeah. my mom would have blank ones and then she would record them when they were on oh, TCM. Yeah. And then I was yeah, just, I was yeah. just telling someone at work this week about, um, basically my, we didn't have cable growing up until I was 18, which was it? In, yeah, was was which which seems fairly recent, but it was kind of a, you know over ten years ago. But uh, my dad had a coworker. I guess he knew that we only had like DVDs and VHSs or something. I don't know how, but I guess my dad brought it up. So once my dad told him that this guy literally every time he saw him, he would give, he would just like this guy. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know his name. I would I would give a shout out if I did, but this guy would just. I guess turn on his TV and just put a VHS VHS in on and put it on Cartoon Network and record it until the VHS stopped and, and came out. And we just have oh all, yes, we have all these Looney Tune cartoons, um, bunch of stuff like that. Just just Transformers movie from the you know just a bunch of stuff that I would have never gotten unless this guy gave it to recorded us. it for you. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really yeah. cool. I mean, we had the well, VHSs, me- but we we had the VHSs, the Disney ones, but that was like like I've seen the same Looney Tunes cartoon bits like probably thirty times. It's insane. Yeah, no, I believe that. I absolutely believe that. There and your this conversation about VHSs is, is bringing me back to when my family would get around and we would watch a new movie. It would be like on a, it could have been on a weeknight, but maybe it was, I think they were usually on Friday nights or Saturday nights or Sunday nights when the TV channels like Cartoon Network or um, Nickelodeon or someone, one of those would play a new movie that would premiere on the channel. And um, some of those movies I love, I, I haven't seen them in a long time, but I'm I'm talking about like the Animaniacs, Wacko's Wish, uh, Dexter's Laboratory. He had a movie called The Ego Trip. Um, there was the Powerpuff Girls movie. So like I'm talking about all Dude. these shows that did movies, but they would premiere on the TV channel, and we would get around and we would make sure that we would watch those movies together as a family. And I have fond memories of that. That's like 2002, 2003. It sounds like a few of them were late 90s, like. Uh, I think Dexter's Lab was 99. Damn. Um, but Batman Beyond had a movie of Return of the Joker, which I'm fond of. And, you know, we watched that as a family. Powerpuff Girls movie was 2002. Your parents um, watch, your parents watch a Batman Beyond movie? Yeah, like we would sit like we would. This was like a thing like we would. That is super impressive. I can't. Well, I mean, if I was to give you more background, I would tell you that my mom for as long as I've known her is a, is a hard gamer. So what? she plays, video, she plays video games. And like when we were in high school, she would play like call of duty online and she'd be all in it with, <laughs> with uh, the best people that we would know. Are you serious? And yeah. Yeah. Like it's a whole thing. So like for context, what, like does, my she, mom, what does she play now? All right. Sorry. For context, um, for, context first, context first. All right. So, now she plays last I spoke to her. I, I think she was still fiddling around with Borderlands, which I think I know is an older game now. Um, no, it's been a while, but I played that. A newer, see, I'm trying to think of a new game that she's been playing. I'll have to ask her, but what's the she con- games hard? What's the context though? Like, what got her into gaming? Like, 80s stuff? 
Yeah. So like she and my dad, I, I guess there's a lot of context that could be here, but like they collected what? comic books together. My dad still has his comic book collection. It's like thousands of comic books deep. Um, and I grew up on those, but my parents were also into gaming. And when I was born, um, shortly after I was born, we bought a super Nintendo and, and then ever my whole life I've, I've played games. I mean, last, last few years, of course, it's been different for me, but I still game when I can, but it's always been a part of my life. So like we had a super Nintendo growing up and then we had all, we always upgraded consoles. So my mom would play with us. She always loved games like Legend of Zelda or Tetris or anything really. Um, and we would play games together. Then, then when high school came around and high school and college, we would, she would play Halo with us. She would play Call of Duty with us. Um, and she, she really likes the shooting games. So like, she'll, that is hilarious. <laughs> yes. That is the reaction I have gotten my entire life when I have told my friends that my mom games. So that's amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, this... uh, my parents are, I guess my parents are pretty cool. I don't know. So they, they, I guess, was like a family I, I, I guess they're cool, man. Uh. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Uh, man, man, they're not, they're not cool. They're not that cool. No, it's like, yeah, it's, like no. it's like Chris. Your your parents might be cooler than you, man. <laughs> they might. No, they. Yeah, they, they, we can we can say that. We can say that. That's fine. That's awesome. I'm pretty lame. That's so, no. That's awesome, though. But anyway, the talk about the VHSs was bringing me back to this time period in my life when I was a literal child, and we would sit around waiting for the premiere of some of these TV movies of shows that we grew up watching. So like Dexter's lab, Animaniacs, Powerpuff Girls, um, the very various iterations of Batman, um, Samurai Jack, the revival of Scooby-Doo. So like Scooby-Doo has a slew of movies, um, that came out late nineties, early thousands. Oh, Zombie Island. I remember that like vividly. Yes. Oh my uh, gosh. The witch's ghost. Alien invade invaders. Yep, we um, we had the soundtrack. There you go. There you go. Um, the Hey Arnold movie. So like stuff like that. Like we would watch these. T- we had TV shows that we liked, like Hey Arnold and and Doug and Dexter's Lab and the Animaniacs. And we would make sure that whenever they had a movie out, it was like a it was like an event at our house. Like we make sure that we would have a VHS ready so we could record it. And we would sit down together and try to watch it as a family. So um, whether I don't know how many times this happened, you know, I couldn't tell you, but I remember them. So made an impact. Very impactful. How many siblings do you have? I am the oldest of four. So am I, sir. So am I. Oh, very nice. Are you are they all same, you know, all boys, all girls? Or are they? Mixed. I have a brother and two sisters. Okay, wow. That's very uh typical American family, it seems like. It's just like two girls, two two boys. Yeah, it's it sort of seems that way, but the funny thing is like growing up, whenever we came across another family of four, no one ever had the same combination that we did. Oh yeah, we don't. We had it's four boys. Yeah, yeah. And we would always come across like three girls and a boy, three boys and a girl, all boys, all girls, you know, like, so <laughs> I feel, I feel like we were the only ones that were two and two. But, I, don't know, I feel like there's like, a, 
I can't give you an example, but I feel like there's a lot of movies where it's like four. There, when there's four siblings, it's always like two and two. But can't give you an example. I just, I just maybe it is that way, and I just live in an insular, insular bubble. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But um, yeah. So good times with VHS tapes and all that. So we got a little track down memory road there, memory lane. Yeah, man. Good stuff. So whose question is I asked you, you asked me, I asked you, are we back at me? Probably. Probably. <laughs> yes. Cause I asked you about your mom being a gamer. Oh, okay. So you asked me questions off of my, off yeah. of what I was saying. So yeah, okay, man. I guess that counts. Okay. All right. All right. Yes. Listeners, we are actually doing 20 questions right now. We'll see how far we you're get. Not, we'll see how far we get. Yeah. If you're not about it, it's cool. All right, so let's let's flip the script a little oh, bit. Oh no, I'm I'm gonna lie. I'm gonna go. You're gonna and then Okay, go ahead. Remember Shoot. remember remember what you were just gonna say. Okay. But I, I forgot and, and it, you just jarred my memory. When you when cool. you brought when you brought up your mom and video games. I just bought a video. I haven't bought a video game in a while, like a year or two. And uh, I have cool. a lot. I have a lot of games. Um, I have Steam on PC. I have PS4, Switch, all that kind of stuff. Not not many Switch games. I I, I have only have a few. But that's that's the one thing I game with right now. I Switch? just game. I just game with the Switch right now. Yeah, it's it's good, but the games are stupid expensive. Like they're all sixty bucks, and I'm like, no, I'm good. Um, yeah. but I just bought a game. Well, when I say bought, someone gifted me for Christmas, a gift card for steam, which is a PC platform where you can buy games. Yeah. And I bought slaps and beans. <laughs> Do you know what that is? I do not know what that is. Okay. It is a video game in which an Italian uh, video game company went and made a bunch of levels. It's basically a side scroller from like a, a late eighties, early nineties, like, you know, video game, either love ar- it. arcade game I love it. or Nintendo, whatever. And it's Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer. Do you know who they are? I've heard of Terrence Hill. I think I've heard of Bud Spencer too. Yeah, so they're basically a comedic duo from prolific 70s to like the 90s. Italian, they did westerns, they did What was that? Yes. What's the yes. What's the genre that you, we that you brought up? Poliziotteca. Yeah, there you go. Something like that. <laughs> I can't I'm not I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. But basically, they're these com- comedic duo that had a bunch of movies and it's sl- it's slapstick. It's very very reminiscent of the Three Stooges, which I love. The Three Stooges grew up on them. Um, okay. My dad is older than you know. He was he had me late in life, like thirty eight, thirty nine. So okay. So I have that uh, very much the boomer generation of all the all the movies and uh, the Three Stooges because he was a fan of the Three Stooges growing up and. Always was watching those, so they're very reminiscent of that slapstick humor, a lot of slapping and well, slaps and beans. The beans comes from a bit where 
uh, Bud Spencer, who's like, there's Terrence Hill's the skinny, good looking guy. And Bud Spencer's kind of like the burly, muscular, brawny guy. So whenever, and a lot of, I think in more than one movie with them in it, he's eating beans and somehow someone spills them and he just beats them up. It's, it's great. But uh, I I just watched uh, odds and evens with them, which I'm not even going to try to go through the plot because it's very convoluted, but it's just an excuse for them to beat up a bunch of people and it's hilarious. But the video game is very, I mean, you I'm trying to think of another video game. Like, I guess kind of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the side scroller video games from like, I okay. guess, is that early nineties? I think. Yeah. Or, or, uh, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, like, I, I know a lot about video games and have seen a lot of video games, but the names always escape me, but what's, it starts with a C the side scroller that starts with the C from like the early nineties. Oh my God. I'm contra. Contra, 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 Contra. Yes, yes Contra. all right. My memory's not that bad, guys. Yes. No, no, no. You got it. You got it. Yeah. So it's kind of like that, where you just go through a level and fight people, but there's no guns. It's usually just hitting. And uh, bought yes. that. I bought that game because I, I bought the game before I watched the movie. But I have a lot of those, and we will be covering a Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer movie in the next few months because I already got one lined up. Don't worry about it. Don't you worry about nice. it, Chris. Uh, so, so you, okay. so you've never watched either of them. Neither of like you talking about Terrence Hill well, and Bud so, Spencer. So Terrence Hill, my name is nobody. My name is nobody. What's the other one that my name is Trinity? Those two. So my name is. They're both spaghetti westerns, but they're very cartoonish. Um. Yeah, I I think I've seen one. So, and... all right, this is going to be good. All right, well, okay. we'll end okay. it there. What were you going to say? I apologize for uh, cutting you off, but what, what were you going to oh, say? Oh, no, not at all. No, 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 that was a worthy, that was a worthy cutoff. I was going to just ask you. Thanks, Chris's mom. That was awesome. You're welcome. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just going to ask you, what was the last incredibly shitty movie you've seen? Oh, So, gosh. we're talking like. We're talking oh, like one star, half star territory here. Oh, I'll give it to you in a second. Give me. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Was it sooner than the five star or was it prior to your last five star? Um, I think I watched the Charles Bronson movie um, recently called Love and Bullets. Three out of <laughs> three out of ten okay. or one and a half. And okay. It, it, right. it was super bad, and I don't even want to. I honestly don't even want to. I don't even want to talk about it because it's not worth talking about. But basically, you have Rod Steiger in there as a mobster, and somehow Charles Bronson's after him, and Rod Steiger's mobster character literally stutters. And I'm like, this is stupid. And Jill Ireland, you know who Jill Ireland is? I do. Yeah, uh, Bronson's wife. She's in it, and she's like a. Uh, she's a British she's British born and she's got a southern accent in this movie it, it's bad it's not good don't even we don't sounds even, like a little bit of a hot mess yeah all right we're gonna we're gonna as I said in my review on letterbox skip on this one <laughs> it shall be skipped all right so what's yours then sir let's see last shitty movie I've seen I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot for something that's a one star or half a star. 
I have to. I'm scrolling. Scrolling. Uh, I got two. I had two of them that were a one and a half there. Okay. I got two here that I gave half stars, and they were actually days apart from each other back in November. Um, the first one is called Welcome to the Terror Dome from 1995. Don't even really want to talk about it, but it was just a really, really... It was a very angry movie, and it has a political message, and when you have so much anger in your political message, I think it just totally defeats everything you're trying to speak, say and speak for. Um, Don't worry. So it, it has a 3.6 out of five on letterbox. So you know how that is. The, yeah. So I completely disagree with almost every review on this movie. Um, well, I'm not going to go into it, but I know exactly why it has that rating, but yeah, I don't really want to talk about the movie because there's really nothing to say. I just, I'll all my critique is exactly what I just said. It is a very angry movie. And I don't think that when you're trying to tell a message of any sort of worth, that anger is the way to do that. Um, or makes you justified in what you're doing. Like, I don't think anger justifies anything. So, um, really bad. Would never recommend it to anybody. And then another movie that I saw that was a half star is dash cam from 2021 and is it a horror is it horror it's trying to be horror it's it's horrifying and in that i would never watch it again and that it's bad (laughs) 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 yeah i is that all i can say about it? it there's a lot of shaky cam um you know, it's one of those movies in the vein of trying to emulate quarantine or the Blair Witch Project, where you have an indie production trying to. It's like a combination of like what the Blair Witch Project succeeds at and reality TV, which I guess is what the Blair Witch is trying to fit into, also, but it's got even more of that reality TV. So is it found footage? It's not even found footage. It's like, it's like the person's live streaming everything happening to them. So it's more of like a TikTok, Facebook live hmm. thing that people are watching. It's supposed to be watching in real time while everything's happening to this person. Interesting. So yeah. And it's just, it's just very much of the times in a in a really 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 bad way. You heard it here, and folks. All, you heard and it. And that's here. all I'll say about that. Yeah, yeah. That's all I, I'll say about. All that. right, I'm gonna switch it to a positive note because we need that right now. <laughs> oh, uplifting. Have you seen any Studio Ghibli? Only bunches and bunches. You have. Oh yeah. Why? Oh, yeah. Why have you not seen? Well, actually, let me let me verify because Letterbox the way. Oh, you have seen it. Okay, good. I was about to get mad. What at is you. this movie? I was gonna get mad at you. I'm not telling now. Oh nah, come on! I'm kidding. Castle in the Sky. Oh yes. But uh, I was gonna say what besides that one, which is probably my favorite. What is your favorite uh, Studio Ghibli film? My neighbor Totoro. 
Really? Hands hear, down. I hear that from a lot of people. Yeah. I don't yeah. I don't is, um, I don't dislike it, but I just don't I maybe we need to cover it. I mean, it's been covered and covered I would and covered. Love, I would love to cover that movie. I mean, it's it's super popular, but I would love oh, yeah. to cover that movie. It's um yeah, it is just it's it's in it's in like my top 15 movies ever. Really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. then. I so I I grew up with it is another thing. So this was I was a kid and my quirky uh hippie uncle, we affectionately call him a hippie, I guess, or maybe now I do. I never called him a hippie when he was younger. When I was younger. Um he had he's kind of brought movies and different movies into my life as I've as I've grown up gotten older. He actually was the same uncle who got me into Twin Peaks and uh, also got me into John Sayles, the director. Um, both things that I love. But he introduced us to, it was just one day he came over and he dropped this VHS off. And it. I, I think it was a VHS because I, I don't think we were doing DVDs yet. And um, we watched My Neighbor Totoro and... I had never seen anything like it before in my life at that time. And it was, it was eye opening that I could watch something with this kind of animation. And it was so different from any Disney that I had seen, you know, cause that was an American kid growing up anytime, really you, what kind of animation do you see? You see Disney, right? So Boo. <laughs> It was a life-changing moment, I'd say, for like realizing how, certain things. How about old movies. were you? I was probably around ten. All right, that's why. That's very. I, I maybe maybe I was younger, but that, um, yeah, that's very. That's a very impressionable age. It is. It is. And I, I wasn't that fortunate to be exposed to Ghibli until like maybe sixteen, and it was it was Castle in the Sky, and that's. That and Mononoke are my favorites. I know a lot of people like Totoro, and I know a lot of people like Spirited Away. I do not like Spirited Away that much. Um, yeah, that's it, fair. It's very much a. It's very much that that one's very much culturally Japanese. Like I can handle Japanese culture, but it's almost to the point where you I don't understand that movie. And I don't care about it because of the whatever. I don't need to go into yeah. a, 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 a explanation. There are a couple positive, a couple um, usual suspects, for lack of a better term, that yes. that people say, "Hey, these are my favorite Hayao Miyazaki movies." But yeah, Castle in the Sky. Yes. I, I want to go with Castle in the Sky because I, I just think it's. I think Pr- Princess Mononoke is just too convenient and just too common but because it's a great movie i mean that I, one's a great movie too i ranked them both 10 out of 10 i love them i yeah. I, I really enjoy them but i think yeah. castle in the sky is just it's a movie that both kids and adults can enjoy and there's not many of those um i don't think yeah i don't think princess mononoke is a child movie it's very it's movie it's very yeah. it's very it's, it's very adult themed um it's violent well yeah it, yeah i'd even i call it violent 
there's there's moments there's sequences that are it was like one point some guy gets his like arm shot off with a bow and arrow so yeah as a yeah i i I didn't get exposed to these as a kid so i can't go through them with a kid's lens but but i get i get get totoro i get it but i you get totoro but i i watched it much later in life that yeah and i i get that too and i could defend why i think it's an absolutely excellent piece of filmmaking but we can get into that another time um if we decide to cover it or whatever but the other studio ghibli film that i've seen that i saw at a young age was it was totoro and it was kiki's delivery service so i i don't even remember what i have kiki's delivery service rated right now but i i do like that movie i haven't seen it in a while so it's probably due for a watch. Um, I wouldn't I, consider Kiki's uh, one of my favorites. No. If if I was to list off like a quick top three, it would be Totoro, Nausicaa, and Mononoke. Those are good. With, look- with an honorable mention, like if I if I didn't pick Mononoke, I'd probably put Porco Rosso as number three. Really? Yeah. Cast in the sky, just not floating your boat, huh? As, well, no, like, see, here's the thing. Like, they're all solid movies. I don't think I, I don't think any of these movies are three stars or less. Um, I think I have all of them floating between a three and a half and a five. So, like, it's a very high rubric and you, high standard. You, you haven't movies. seen Castle in the Sky in a while. I haven't. It's been a long time. Kevin's, so, ne- Kevin's never seen it. So if you're listening, Kevin, we're covering this on the podcast kind of shortly so just letting you know all right all right i'm cool with that that'd be that'd be a good one to cover boom and how we can do we can do that and we can do uh totoro right behind it i don't care yeah we could i I mean we we haven't even mentioned Howl's moving castle i liked that one when i first saw it i i'm lukewarm on it i don't it's not bad it's not bad i just it's not the same vibe for me not the same vibe yeah so i mean there's a ton I feel like they're still missing stuff here. We are. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, pff, Miyazaki's made uh, too many. The Cat Returns. Wind Rises. The Wind Rises. Yeah. I, um, I, I think Ponyo is pretty decent. Pretty good. Ponyo. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that one in theaters, I think. And what other ones? I've seen. Yeah. So I've seen 10. Of his films, you've probably seen more, but I don't know. I don't have the number in front of me right now. I, I do have, I do have some of these on my list that are like need to be seen very shortly. But yeah, I mean, great director, great studio. I love their work, and uh, I'm sure everybody who's listening to our podcast is familiar. And if you're not familiar, you should get acquainted. Oh my gosh. If you're not a fan of anime, it doesn't matter. If, if you are, if you are, even if you're turned off by anime, you should still watch these films. You should watch five to ten of his films minimum. They're, yeah, they're just that good. So I don't think from up on from up on Poppy Hill, I feel like he didn't direct that, but his yeah, his son did. That's why. Well, there's also there's a handful of movies that the studio did that he didn't direct. So 
Yeah, it was. Um, you know, oh gosh, what's his name? Talk, talk, uh, what's his I, name? I, I, I'm not gonna butcher his name. It begins with an I, and it's Takahata. Takahata, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I believe this is. This might be wrong. I, I thought Takahata was um, Miyazaki's mentor. No, they they were kind of like partners. I feel like partners. Okay, so I think Takahata was in the director's seat first, though. Um, um, they formed, yeah, they formed Ghibli, I believe, if my memory and slash understanding is correct. But they were somewhere okay. else before that, I think. Okay. I think, yeah, like, uh, do you are you familiar with Lupin the Third? I am. That's one of the ones I haven't seen though. Oh. Yeah, highly recommend it. It's we don't yeah. need. There's too many details to get into. Highly recommend it. But what is it called? The Castle of Coslio. Uh, it's some Italian name. Egliostro. Yeah. So yeah. he so he directed that. So like he di- even directed a, a a Lupin film, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, I have seen three of Takahata's films. Which are Grave of the Fireflies is the big one. Yep, everyone's. Seen I just that. recently, I just recently saw the Tale of the Princess Kaguya. Yeah, I haven't seen Kaguya. You haven't seen that one, and then I've also seen Horus, Prince of the Sun, which I believe was his directorial debut. Yeah, Isao Takahata. Yep. Yes, I've seen. Uh, how you haven't seen Only Yesterday? No, that's I know that's that's a big one. I think Pompoko is I think another big one. I have not seen that one. My neighbors, the Yamadas, I also have not seen. I've seen that. That's very much a. It's good, but it's different, and the animation is different than usual Ghibli. Um, but hey, that was. That's a good little riff on Ghibli. We'll give them that much attention. That's that's pretty good. We'll, we'll, that's pretty good. I like that. We should cover. Yeah. We should cover them. I, I don't know if I want to watch Grave of the Fireflies again because that is depressing as hell. Yeah. It, yeah. That is one depressing. of the. That is one of the like. I do not. When I cry during a movie, I know it's like this is good stuff, but I don't want to feel that way. Um, yes. A lot of the time, sometimes you need a you need you need just a good cry, you know, but not yes, you do. Not that one. It is depressing. Um, let's just say it's set. It's either before or right during World War II in Japan. Not a happy movie. Understandably so. Yeah. Understandably so. But yeah, man. Hey, we've covered a lot of ground tonight, and I now I found out I can play games with your mom on the internet if I really want to. You could. You just gotta find her first. Be like, hey, let's play. Let's play some COD, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, That's she'll amazing. be right there with you. That is yeah. amazing. Yeah. You you won't catch my dad dead playing a video game. He's like, that shit's dumb. Yeah. Uh, no, that, that's amazing. Oh my gosh. That is the reaction I've gotten all my life when I've told people that. Because it's just very uncharacteristic of the generation. Yeah, many of them are just very like anti that, right? They're just like, no, nope, we're not. I, I think you're right. Yeah, They're like, nope. I, I'm above that. It's like, eh. yeah, mm, yeah. You play other games, so shut up. But whatever. Don't yeah. Do so, 
I just, I think I want to ask you, I don't know if we're getting ready to end here, but I want to ask you looking forward, do you have uh, films that you have lined up? Is there, and I'll, I'll also add to that. Is there anything, any new releases for movies that you're looking forward to? Maybe one or two films you want to give a, uh, shout out to right now that you uh, that you're excited for maybe unfortunately no uh when i say no i mean movies coming out in this year off the top of my head i cannot tell you okay babylon i'll watch it i'm not excited to see it because I, I don't think i'm gonna like it but um, I do. I'm excited to. I'm excited to see that one. I'll I'll I, check I it out. I'll check yeah. it out. I, I'm excited to check out some more Hong Kong movies this upcoming year. Uh, so I got the Arrow release, the Blu-ray release for um, Shaw Scope Volume Two. I have Volume Two and Volume One. Volume Volume One came out in twenty twenty one end of 2021 i think i forget but basically they're these big sets of like 12 to 15 movies in a, a very big box set and I'm, I'm okay i'm excited to check out the ones um in in, in volume two specifically my young auntie which is again bring him up again lao car long very nice liu jialang r.i.p but yeah, so he's in that movie. He so he directs and stars, but he's the the second star is Kara Hui, which is a pretty prolific um, actress from Hong Kong in that time period, late seventies, eighties, nineties, and I've heard very good things about that. And actually, okay, Letterbox is telling me it is on Amazon Prime right now, so. Maybe, oh, very nice. Maybe you'll watch it too, because I'll recommend it to you. All right, all right, that's awesome. Yeah, I don't think I want to cover that movie because there are just so many people out there that know so much more about the the genre. I think that that's that's a deep cut, in my opinion. Some people might yeah. not, some people might not think so, but like, yeah, Hong Kong movies are hard to get into because there's just so much going on. Um, they're they're a hard sell for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's that. And there's also the, there's the, hey, I will, I'll watch the dub. And then there's the people that are like, fuck that. I'm not watching the dub. I hate dubs. Yes. I'm only watching subbed. And my, so yeah. my argument on that is if it's highly recommended to you, you should watch the sub maybe because original language is probably always better. But if you're okay. if you're weary on whether or not you're gonna like it, and it's uh, it's heavily action based, like a lot of uh, he who we, he who will not be named this episode, and a lot of a lot of the rest of them are, are very heavily action based. If and if you think that that the subtitled version is gonna detract from your enjoyment, I highly recommend watching the dub. Because worst case scenario, okay. you, you watch it and you're pretty you're pretty hot on it. You're like, hey, this was like a seven or higher, then you go watch the sub because it's, it, it can only right. get, it can only get better. It can't get worse. So, right. So yeah. Um, that whole box set, if you look up on it's, it's arrow video, uh, which is a very, it's a boutique 
label for Blu-rays, but they're very well known. If you look up the Shaw Scope Volume 1 and 2, but Volume 2 specifically, I'll be checking out this year. So if, if you do follow me on Letterboxd, I'm sure you'll, I'll be spamming with you, spamming your feed with those over the next couple of uh, months. But no, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just amazed that like one of the things I really enjoy about cinema is that it never really gets stale for me. Cause there's always these corners of cinema that I'm just never, you're coming to them, especially if they're not us, if there's, if they're foreign markets, yes, you're just, yes. you're coming to them. It's like, you're, you know, jack shit, you know, nothing. And it's just, it's always a surprise. It's always fun to experience something totally new. And it's just, yep. The, the sensibilities of some of these directors and producers of, of uh, foreign films are just so different. And sometimes you have an expectation going into a, uh, you, you know, United States, Britain, wherever, uh, who makes English speaking films, you have kind of an expectation. And when you yeah. haven't, when you have an expectation going into a, like, let's for, since we've been talking about it, Hong Kong movies, if you have an expectation going in, like let's say by reading synopsis or something, your mm-hmm. your expectations are definitely going to be destroyed. Like you won't even it won't even be the same. Doesn't even matter. Just go in blindfolded almost because it's it's you can't expect what these these people have to to show you. It's crazy, man. I, some of it's nuts. I have seen some crazy stuff, and I I've barely touched. I have not even really gotten to the surface. Or not even the surface, whatever the term is. I just I have I have barely cracked into anything yet, and I have seen some crazy stuff already. Oh yeah. Well, uh, I could go into a bunch of movies. Uh, I will say, Kevin, um, I I've seen this movie, but Kevin recommended it to me to buy the Blu-ray because it was it was discounted during Christmas time a few months ago. Of course ago. he did. Yeah. And of course you bought it. Yeah. 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 James Stewart, one of Jimmy Stewart to some, Jimmy Stewart to some, but James Stewart to me because of the Anthony Mann Westerns he starred in early in his career was in a movie called Mr. Smith goes to Washington and it's been highly recommended to me. I probably watched it at, I want to say like eight or nine. I, I was really young when I saw it. I remember just like seeing him giving his speeches in front of the Congress. But um, yeah, I'm I have that. I've got the Blu-ray a few weeks ago. I'm going to be watching that very soon. Highly, highly anticipated. I, I saw that movie in theaters. Really? What was, what was that? Was that like a, just a TCM thing or was it a, no, so uh, it was I was in Austin, Texas, visiting some family, and they have a local theater down there where they play old movies. And I can't think of the name of the theater or if, if it's still running, but at the time I had been down there, this is circa 2006-ish, um, my uncle took me to see... Mr. Smith goes to Washington and it was, I had never seen it before. So it was, it was an awesome experience to see that in the big screen. So good memory with that. And yeah, Kevin's right. It's an, it's a great, it's a great film. I will be watching that on my big screen, which isn't That's, that, which isn't that big, but it's close. 
No, no, you have a nice setup. So yeah, totally, totally watch that soon. I will be. And um, if you are unfortunate enough to follow me on Letterboxd, you'll see the review. It probably won't be too detailed because writing is hard. Writing? Writing is hard. And uh, That's very honest of you to say that, yes. Writing takes a lot of time, time, time and effort, and I'm not getting paid for this stuff, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's but right. I, 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 when I really, really watch... When I when I really dig into a film and I just for example, off the top of my head, last year, like the quiet man, John Ford. I was You went into that. I was motivated to write a long form kind of essay for my review on Letterboxd. It, that doesn't happen usually. Usually it's just I I write some something that I write something for films that will give me enough background. When I look back on it in two or three years, I'll be like, okay, this is what I was thinking, justifying my review. But when I really am motivated and inspired by the filmmaking, I see AK, you know, the quiet man, I gave a 10 out of 10, five out of five on letterbox, but 10 out of 10, that was easily, it was easy motivation for me. Um, understandable and it was kind of you know related to related to a lot of personal things um not going to get into the details but if you if you if you want to you can go look at my review but yeah i believe i can vouch for that review and yeah it is it is awesome i i I think i remember when you released it last year um it was i think you wrote a review and i think our friend Mitch wrote a review, if I'm remembering correctly. What's up, Mitch? Hey, it, it was a good movie. It was a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So There it is. <laughs> I love that. All right, cool. Cool, yeah. So, <laughs> all right, so that's that's pretty cool. You got some stuff lined up then for your near future. Yeah, what, what do you got lined up, Chris? All right, so I've got some answers. We don't have to go into depth about any of them. But I, I collab for anybody who doesn't know, I collaborate a lot with people on Letterboxd. And um, this just so happens that this next week uh, we have <clears throat> we actually have a nice little run of films that I'm going to try to see all of them. I don't know if I'm going to get to all of them. Um, sometimes when I collaborate, I, there's one of these small groups that I collaborate with. And sometimes we don't pick five films to do. But for this next week, we got five films slated. Um, So I'm just going to read through the titles. We have On the Run, Eyes of Laura Mars, Hell Riders, The Black Crystal, and Solomon King. So we have those slated for next week to watch and to review. Again, I don't know how many of those I'm actually going to get to, but I plan on seeing at least two of them. And along with that, I I need to see Man of Steel. I have seen it before, but I I have a goal to watch it and review it for a dear friend of ours. Oh, uh, I know. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we give a shout it, out it, to Brian if he's listening. Those ears perked up when he heard that. What? Uh huh. Yes. What? Yes. Yeah. So Snyder. Hopefully, hopefully by the time that he hears this on this, you know, here's this podcast. 
I will have hopefully reviewed oh, oh, the film already. Oh, no, no, no. You just gave yourself a due date, bud. You just gave yourself a due date. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, here. How about this? Oh, well, yeah. You, you know what? You're right because no. I don't know if no, I don't know if I'm going to give myself more time or not. Oh no! You're, so oh, maybe, oh no! You're doing it. You're doing it. Uh, you got a week and two weeks and s- s- yeah, a week and five days. There you go. That's, oh, that's enough time. Right. Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, so that's the big one I got to do, and then the five films that I spit out there are what I have planned for the future. Now, looking forward for films released in twenty twenty three, I have, I have, I'm, I'm sort of intrigued by the old way with Nick Cage. I think you and I might have talked yeah. about that. Yeah, I'll. Uh... I'll watch it. I don't have high hopes because modern westerns. He's but got I, another western that's coming out. Actually, that came out twenty twenty two. So no, he doesn't. Does he okay, really? Maybe it's not a western. No, no, yeah, no, he, no. That was me saying, <laughs> "Shut up!" No, he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. No, it came out in twenty twenty two. It must have been in the end of the year. Uh, it takes place in the eighteen seventies, and he's supposed to be an experienced buffalo hunter. This is the old way, so, or something different. No, this is different. This is called Butcher's Crossing, and it's got Nick Cage's top bill with a bunch of names hmm. I do not recognize. So Interesting. Interesting. So I would be intrigued by that the same way that I'm intrigued by all Nick Cage films. And then he, of course, also has another vampire film coming out called Renfield, which, you know, I will see. I will see for him. I haven't seen too many Nicholas Holt movies, but I, I think I kind of like him. He's okay. He's not, yeah, he's not like gut wrenching, gut wrenchingly awful, but, uh, I, I would consider yeah. watching that movie as long as it's not like reported that it's a straight up our horror movie. Cause I'm just, I'm not about that life. Sorry. Sorry, fam. Not doing it. Not doing it. Yeah. And what the... are you going to watch Oppenheimer? Oh, probably eventually. I haven't even seen Tenet yet. Me neither, because so. I just don't care. Oh, yeah. Mich- I, All right, I lied. I lied earlier. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Day one, I'm seeing that in theaters for show. Okay, cool, cool. Um, And then the last one I got here that I want to give a shout-out to is one of Ray Liotta's last films. It's called Cocaine Bear. And Oh, my it, gosh. I saw that. It's... That- the uh, the trailer is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it's uh, it's got him and uh, Carrie Russell's in it, and she's top bill. So uh, I don't know. It, it looks it looks as ridiculous as, as it sounds, and it's based on a true story where a bear. I'm being bad. It's a ton of cocaine, and people are trying to run away from the bear. And he's just high on cocaine. He's just oh, and it's directed. It's directed by Elizabeth Banks. So I don't know what that. That means it's gonna says. be bad. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll see. But I'll, I would I, see it I, just for the premise I, and Ray Liotta alone. I won't see, but you will. <laughs> oh yeah, I would see this movie absolutely. I'm looking at stupidly. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for a list of American films from 2023. Like, how do they already know this? But I guess there are. There are sources on IMDb or whatever. That's Whoever wrote the article is clearly from the future. Yes. 
So, they're doing another color purple, which, why do they need another one of those? I don't know. Uh, maybe it's a different shade of purple. Magenta. The color magenta. <laughs> they're making another Willy Wonka movie. Uh, okay, is it going to be from the perspective of the one of the Oompa Loompas this time? It follows this. Uh, Wikipedia is so detailed. The story follows a young Willy Wonka and his adventures prior to opening the world's most famous chocolate factory. So it's it's a it's an origin story, bro. Come on, man, get with the times. Okay. Uh, a, a Ghostbusters Afterlife sequel, just what we need. Um. Yep. I will. Mm-hmm. I will watch this in theaters because I didn't watch the first one in theaters, but I watched it at home. Dune Part Two. I'll watch that because it might be okay. Okay. For some reason, they're making an Expendables Four, which they do not need. Uh, the Equalizer Three, which they do not need. Oh man. Uh, yeah. There's just oh Meg Two, which is obviously about. I'm assuming the Meg Megalodon. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Which is not necessarily. No, I mean, man, blah, all blah, these blah. all these sequels. Are we surprised? So cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. <laughs> yeah. All right. So cool. So all right, we. Oh my yeah. god, I'm dying, man! Transformers, another Transformers, another Spider-Man, another Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I'm just, I'm checked out, dude. I, I'll watch like three or four of these movies. I'm just really sad. And coke. I mean, why try? Because Cocaine Bear is going to top them all. If you watch Cocaine Bear, I'll watch it with you. I like that. Yes. Okay. Let's let's do a uh, collab on it, bro. Let's collab on that one, and we'll um we'll keep an eye on uh, on it for when it releases on some streaming device like Amazon or something. So keep your keep your eyes peeled on that one. We'll collab on it, and we'll be you know like in Rush, we'll be high as fuck. <laughs> Yes. I couldn't resist. No, no, that's, I like that. I like that. Good times. Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, if you have anything else to crusade upon, my crusades are over for the, for the day. I think our, for the day. I think, our, I think our crusades will just end on cocaine bear. That's a hell of a crusade if I don't say there, so myself. There may or may not be a cocaine bear drop somewhere in this episode. <laughs> Why not? Oh, yes. Because our listeners love that. I think they do. I mean, it's it's like you spoiled us in the Kevin Conroy episode with uh, Arnie with as Dr. Freeze. <laughs> as Mr. Freeze. So from then on, you've just. You've automatically set the bar. Oh, I was doing a lot of drops, man, in those few first few episodes, but yeah, I'll do them. Yeah. I don't care. I like editing. It's cool. Yeah. Um, I will make an announcement. I do not have the address now because this is the future. Well, this is the past that you're listening to, but you are in the future right now. And in the future, in the description of this uh, podcast episode, there is an email address that you will be able to submit cr- uh, questions to that will be answered on the subsequent Cinema Crusades episode. So, 
Yes, we are turning the Crusades episode, uh, we, uh, not turning, I should say we are dedicating a small segment of our Crusades episodes to a mailbag. Come on, man. Mail, mail your stuff in. Let's see what you got. Throw something at us. Throw anything and everything at us, and we will crusade upon it. Please, please, please ask Kevin how much he likes Barbara Stanwyck. Oh, man. <laughs> Love you. All right. <laughs> on that note, we, we had to end with some babs, man. But on that note. Yeah. What do you have to say? On that note. What, what do you have to say for yourself, Christopher? I have to say that this has been an enjoyable time crusading with you, Benjamin. And uh, I hope to do it again soon. Maybe we'll all three of us will crusade sometime. Maybe not. Um. Hope everyone's having a glorious 2023 and hope everyone's watching great movies because that's what we do. You heard it here, folks. Keep those reels running. Sayonara. Thanks for listening to The Searchers Podcast. If you want to hear more of our thoughts on movies, you can find us on Letterboxd. Ben at Giant13, Chris at Ziglet underscore Mer, and me at Kevin Chan. Find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and on searchersfilmpodcast.podbean.com. Until next time, people.